0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the official Warlord Games podcast. My name is Brad, and today we have a very special episode of the Warlord cast. Normally on this show, we talk a lot about some of Warlord's Games' exciting upcoming releases. Uh, Today, though, we have more of a community focus, and we're going to talk about some of the great ways that you can engage with the Warlord community and play the games that we know and love. This show, uh, strangely, is... (laughs) Situated in Melbourne, Australia, Uh, this is where we record, even though Warlord Games, of course, is in Nottingham in the UK, uh, exact opposite side of the planet. It's a strange coincidence that it happened that way, but that is the way it is. During 2020, Melbourne had some pretty intense lockdowns. We had 19 weeks, 20 weeks of fairly restrictive lockdowns, 8 p.m. curfew, can't be more than five kilometers from your house... Um, can only be outside for about an hour a day to exercise, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the gaming scene in Melbourne, though strong normally, especially for games like Bolt Action, did suffer a little bit in that everyone was stuck inside. Now, that did lead to a lot of people painting armies, but that also led to a lot of people not playing in recent weeks uh, as Melbourne sort of come out of lockdown we have started having community events to re-engage to, to get people back out of the out of their houses and playing the games that we love family bolt action on Easter weekend we held a tank wars event um, it was very exciting we had 12 people playing and the, I think one of the most exciting things about that was that we had three brand new people come to play. Now, two of those gentlemen are joining me today, and we're going to talk a little bit about their experiences engaging with the Bolt Action community as a whole, especially during lockdown. Um, and then we're going to talk a lot a bit about... Event play, um, what it's like to go to an event the first time and whether or not these gentlemen would recommend it. Now, it's one thing for me to say that having been a tournament player, I guess, hardcore tournament player since uh, 1995. But for these guys, they have a very fresh perspective. And so I think we have two sides of the same coin and we're going to come at it from different directions. And we're going to talk about why event play might be right for you. But before we go any further, I think it is probably important that I actually introduce our guests. Now, uh, I have, of course, Tim Jarvie and Michael Kalers. M- Tim, welcome to the show, man.
1: Thanks, Brad.
2: Thanks for having us on.
0: Michael, welcome to the show, man.
2: Hey, Brad. Thanks. How you going?
0: Good. Now, you guys did pick up Bolt Action slightly before Melbourne lockdown. Uh, and you guys have been lifelong friends. However, <laughs> Up until recently, you lived on opposite sides of the country. So then, when you came together to play bolt action, uh, it was a rare event. Tim, do you want to start with telling us where you were and uh, why you guys only played occasionally?
1: Yeah. So um, for me, I've like what really got me into bolt action. I'm uh, I love military history. I'm fourth generation serviceman. Uh, so for me, you know, it was kind of it's always been an interest mm-hmm. and it was actually my, uh, brother up from me was like the real motivator pushing me to get into bolt action. So he was like, Oh, you know, you got to come and play this game with us. Uh, and I was like, "No, nah, no, nah, I don't want to commit, you know, anything financially. And he's like, no, nah, I'll buy your first army.
0: Oh, the first so one's he, free, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So he bought, um, just a, a standard thousand point British army from the, the kits that bolt action or oh, wet warlord used to do. Mm-hmm. And then um, I was like, yeah, look, I don't want to really paint it. I'll I'll play. And he's like, all right, I'll paint it for you. Oh, man. Yeah. So he he painted the army up for me and and I played a few games um, and I actually, you know, really, really enjoyed it. But he was, his military as well, he was posted elsewhere. So the only time I could ever play was at Christmas time when we were actually, you know, back together again. So I'd Mm -hmm. play maybe one game a year and then I was spent probably 12 months trying to convince Mike to play. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then by the time I convinced him to play, I was posted up to Darwin. Uh, and he was, he got a job down in Victoria. So it was like, ah, but the next thing I hear is, um, which I'm sure Mike will talk about Mike ended up doing a big order and and getting into it. So I suppose, you know, Mike and I have been playing allies and Axis for a long time as well, which kind of, uh, you know, it's very similar. Um, so it just kind of fit, just getting into bolt action and rolling dice and actually being able to move figures around the table.
0: Nice. Yeah. There's nothing like putting boots on the table, so to speak. Right? Yeah. That's it. Michael, what was your experience with this?
2: Yeah, so I was sort of watching from the sidelines, watching Tim um and his brother Rob play. Um and I'd sort of, you know, uh, you know, visit them um over Christmas and they'd be having a game and I sort of learnt, you know, some of the rules like, oh, there's, you know, six different orders you give, you know, rally, advance, run, so on. Um and I sort of I don't know, I've I'd always kinda had it in the back of my head that I'd like to get into the model painting. So but I I guess I just never really had an in and I, and I never really took the took the plunge, so to speak. And then, yeah, and then just so happened in, uh, I think it was mid-2018, Mighty Ape had a big sale. Um, and, and Rob and Tim were like, look, Mike, sale, you know, Germans, you can buy tigers for real cheap. You can get, mm-hmm. you know, three three for two tigers. Um, and so I ended up sort of, I just broke and, uh, <laughs> and I ended up uh, doing a massive warlord order and, and, and bought a whole bunch of German um, tanks and troops, most of which I still haven't painted. They're still in my cupboard. Mm-hmm. Um, my, uh, you know, um, ever-expanding pile of shame um and yes and then so i just uh, sort of started painting my army up from then and um and then once uh, once i had enough to actually field you know about a thousand points tim and i started started playing some games and and you know learning the rules better started collecting terrain um and it just sort of kept rolling from there
0: that's amazing uh first of all uh you have a, a an un uh, assembled, unbuilt pile of shame i christened thee a gamer welcome uh <laughs> number two Neither one of you, and now many of us, especially in the bolt action community, have come from one of two directions. Quite a few of us have come from other war games, maybe some of the games, workshop games. I know that's where I came from. I know that's where a lot of the people who founded Warlord came from. But the others come from the more historical side of things. But they're all gamers. What I found really interesting about you two is when you showed up, you not only knew the rules, you not only have beautifully painted armies, and we're going to get to that in a minute, but then you blew our minds by saying that this is your first ever game. Uh, Mike, is that right?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's right. I haven't played any tabletop games before that.
0: And Tim, that's for you as well, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, 100%. I, um, as I
1: said, it was only the Allies and Axis that I'd ever really done.
0: Now, Tim, uh, I, I do have to say, you have only been playing for a little while, but you're on your third army. Is that correct?
1: Second, yes. Okay. Oh, sorry. Correction. I've, I've got, um, yeah, regular British force. I've got an airborne British force. And then I'm starting on my uh, Australian uh, North African force. I'm sensing so, yes, the theme. So, yes, you are. Right. I'm sensing yeah. the
0: theme. <laughs> yeah. Commonwealth forces. Got yeah.
1: it. It's more that, you know, military uh, family history that kind of dragged me into that side of the, the campaign.
0: But that's the whole thing, right? It's it's finding the nation that you connect with. It's finding the national rules, the, the style of play, the aesthetic, uh, just the nationality in some cases, in your case, for example. It's finding that thing that you can connect with that really gives you the inspiration over a prolonged period of time. It's, it's one thing to look at a vehicle or a unit and say, wow, that looks cool. I really want to paint an army of those and possibly ordering the army. I, I've never done that. And then by the time it arrives, you go, yeah, I'm painting something else right now. But in order to have that inspiration and to keep it going over, you know, months, years, in some cases, depending on how slow you paint, you really do need that connection, right, Tim?
1: Yeah, that's it. Yeah. You know, um, you know, like, to, to start, it was, as I said, I I wasn't, you know, super keen on committing anything, and then, you know, I, I suppose the great thing about the game is I, I thought I knew a fair bit about military history, but then, you know, since playing the game, I actually realised how little I knew about the Second World War, Yeah, um, and that's what I think is probably one of the greatest things about the game, is, you know, you, you get to learn about speci- like specific battles or, or conflicts, and, and learning about you know, forces and, and elements that actually achieved something major during the Second World War, which, you know, changed the course of history. So, you know, that's what I really love about the game.
0: Yeah, I was just um, talking with Jordan Weeby of Scale Model SLC, uh, the Instagram page, and he was telling me about a, a bizarre corner of World War II where Japanese soldiers were freed from prison to join the British in fighting the Viet Cong in 1945 and what and every time (laughs) you turn around you find out something new and crazy about world war ii and that blew my mind that's this week's world war ii fact and it seems that every week you find out something new and wild michael has that been your experience as well
2: yeah so when I started Bolt Action I think my knowledge of World War Two I you know, I was I was kind of the same as, as as um Tim in that I thought I knew heaps about World War Two. You know, I'd read the um the um Anthony Beaver book, mm-hmm. the uh Second World War and I thought that was all I needed to know. And I guess my my knowledge of the Second World War was really, oh, well, you know, there was there was the battle of France and then there was the phony war. And then there was, you know, the landings in, in, in France and Mm -hmm. then Germany capitulated. And there was some stuff happening in the Soviet union and something in the Pacific as well. But then, you know, like the more I've kind of gotten into bolt action and I've, I think I've got every single campaign book by now. um, And I'm trying to read through them all. And there's just so much more to it. Like it truly was a a world encompassing conflict. It was. um, And there's just so much material there to be able to recreate in a, um, in a tabletop game as well and and there's so many different you know um characterful forces you can paint to try and bring that to life. And I think that's what's sorry for
1: interrupting but ahead. I think that's what's really great about Bolt Action itself is you know it's not everyone's you know cup of tea the history piece but all of those campaign books have really good history pieces in there that you can actually read. No mm-hmm. oh,
2: they're fantastic. I was
1: reading one on the train today.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. And those just those little color boxes I love to go through and Find out those neat little tidbits, you know, because it's one thing to read all the fluff and the history and then to read the scenarios that match and think, Oh God, yeah, they really did get that. Uh, But then there's those little boxes off to the sides that always have those little tidbits that invariably it's those colored boxes that end up with me buying things in the middle of the night going, Oh yeah, that's a great idea. I'm going to go get this crazy idea. (laughs) Um, But you know, the hashtag bolt action happens. It's great. Right. Yeah. That's it. Uh, Now, I have to ask. Um, Now, spoilers, Michael, at this event, you ended up winning Best Painted. Uh, And Tim, you weren't too far behind uh, in the painting votes. Now, Michael, your Germans are beautifully painted. Uh, Uh, Thank you. I mean, you have the award to prove it. Um, You have camouflage all over the vehicles. Your infantry were immaculate. It was just a wonderful-looking force that had some real character to it. Now, I know what it was like when I started wargaming, and I didn't even prime my models before painting them for the first ten years. You, a couple of years in, have been wi- are winning painting awards and give me a run for my money thirty years later. what's I guess what's your secret, man? I mean, how did you go from zero to hero that quickly?
2: <laughs> um, thank you for the kind words. I, um, I pretty much just, I think I just planned it well to start with. So I sort of, uh, before I'd bought anything, um, actually, um, I was watching uh, YouTube tutorials about, you know, how to paint. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, close, close observers will note that my Germans are painted almost exactly to the letter uh, of Pete the Wargamer's uh, tutorial on mm-hmm. German grenadiers. Um, and, and so I, I sort of just watched, you know, um, a bunch of his tutorials and I made a list of different army painter paints I wanted, and I just went and bought all those paints. And then I just followed the, you know, step-by-step recipe for, you know, how to paint them. Um, and I did the same for my tanks as well. And then I've kind of been just, um, I guess, um, iterating that, that formula over the last two and a half years, um, and just getting a bit better each time. Um, I've got... My, my very first grenadiers I painted I've I've actually kind of stowed away somewhere and I d- <laughs> I don't I don't put them on the table anymore because <laughs> um, they're not quite to my standard anymore. Mm-hmm. So, you know you you kind of learn as you go and and the more you paint the better you get at it. Um, and I've kind of been you know buying different sort of paint brushes. i um, uh, I got an airbrush the other week actually which which is what I use to paint my uh, tanks. I took to delayed action mm-hmm. over the Easter weekend. And yeah, I guess yeah. I've just I I also uh, and Tim will uh, Tim will will back me up on this. I spend way too much time painting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, um, there is nothing it, wrong with that.
2: <laughs> I, think, I think it took me about about eight hours just to paint the road wheels on three of my Panzer IVs.
0: Uh, well, the effort showed, man. I mean, clearly, as I said, the the, the army's beautiful. But yeah, I, I'm not surprised to hear that it took a while. But again, it, it's I think, especially for those of us who've been, I don't know, holed up or you know locked down, it can be hard to keep that momentum going painting-wise. For me, it's been taking one little chunk at a time, finding, I like to call it grabbing low-hanging fruit. Taking a project, rather than trying to bang out an assembly line of 45 to 50 infantry models at a go, which prior to 2020 is how I always painted, now I can't do that anymore. I lined up 50 uh, Italian infantry earlier this week, and I stared at it for 15, 20 minutes before I stood up and walked away. I just couldn't do it. Now, I think for me, it's taking you know, one vehicle at a time. Here's five or six guys. Crank through those. Get that endorphin uh, hit, so to speak, from yes, celebrate, done, next, and then move on to the next group. And I think that really worked for me lockdown. How is that compared to your experience um, cranking through, you know, both of you, armies worth of models during um, the lockdowns that we've had in Victoria? Michael, why don't you start and then Tim go from there?
2: Well, yeah. So, um, so for me, I actually still do the, you know, um, assembly line approach still. So, so I, I think when I painted my Grenadiers, I did forty at once, and I just went Ooh. through and did each step of the of, of the recipe, you know, mm-hmm. one at a time. And it does it does definitely take it out of you. But I don't know. I I guess for me, I I just kind of push through. You know, I I just put on a podcast um i I just do a little bit each day you know rather than do then do one massive session i try and do you know one or two hours a day and sort of split it up that way i will jump in there
1: because the amount of times that i've told Mike it's easier to do it 10 at a time and then he'd be like yeah i know and then he would just like he's like i don't
2: i don't want to waste paint yeah (laughs) and then just finishes it off I mean, I just don't want to like finish 10 and then come back to it and have to do another 10. That yeah. just seems like torture to me. So I just want to get them all done.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the thing. I mean, technically the assembly line method is faster if you actually look at it in a holistic manner. Because you're going through one color and knocking out you know the boots on everyone and going back and highlighting the boots on everyone. Again, you're using less paint. It takes less time. Uh, it's very focused and you're focused on each bit. So you actually need to concentrate the more you do it the more mechanical it becomes and it again will get faster because you're practicing as you go but yeah it is an endurance slog right
2: yeah i think the downside is that you start to get sick of it you know by the time you're on your you know 38th um infantry Mm -hmm. you know smock or whatever you kind of start to take shortcuts um which is what you have to guard against doing it that way
0: yeah i think finished snowsuits broke that method for me that much white Love the Warlord snowsuit models. I have enough, I have millions of them. I don't think I ever need to paint another one. That said, I have four more to paint, and I just, oh, we'll get there. Anyway, small goals, small goals. Uh, Tim, you you go with the small, the small hits as well, the low hanging fruit.
1: Yeah. I to be fair, like when I started, so as I said, my brother Rob painted majority of my first force for me, uh, and then I kind of was more about throwing dice on the table you know Mm -hmm. moving soldiers around the ground so i was just like yep get as many done as quickly as i can um and then now i actually you know do probably do six to eight dudes at a time Um, i find that a bit more manageable and you know after playing at delayed action on the weekend i've actually kind of want to take a bit more pride in my painting i compared it to you know when i started um you know my first models i literally finished five models um last night and you know it's just chalk and cheese the difference between the the two and i actually want to paint better uh, because you know going to to community events and having people acknowledge your army looks good rather than it just be tabletop ready
0: yeah i think that uh, it's important to take pride in what you've done i mean how many hours and how many dollars do we spend on these armies on the paints, on the brushes. Uh, it, it is more than a hobby uh, some say, some say it's a it's a way of life but especially at least for me I was a quote unquote garage player for the first 10 or so years that I was a war gamer but then I went to the very first U.S grand tournament at, uh, for a different game system and when I showed up, I thought yeah, cool. My army's mostly finished. Uh, this is going to be awesome. I'm ready to play games. I'm ready to roll dice. And by the time I got to my table with the the cardboard box with the models wrapped in tissue paper, I was embarrassed. I, I, I was almost too embarrassed to put my models on the table. They were so bad because I looked at everyone else's models and went, these are unbelievably, astonishingly Beautiful. Everyone has a fully painted, highlighted army. The bases are, you know, they tell a story. This is unbelievable. Everywhere I looked, it was, it, it was perfection. And I pulled my models out sheepishly, and I started to play uh, my opponent in the first game. And his army, and it turns out he he he's a Golden Demon winner. very talented painter, very talented player. We ended up playing, had a great game, but then I, I made a friend there and we started talking. And every time I went to a grand tournament, I ran into him and we started talking. And at the end of the game, I was like, look, help. How do I, how do I make my models better? Uh, and the very first thing he said was, well, what are you using for primer? And I said, I don't. And he, you know, cuffed me in the back of the head, and then we had a good conversation about painting. Next year, I came back, put my army on the table, was a hundred times better than the year before, but God, it was still bad. And so I, I showed it to him, and he was like, oh, that's so much better. And I said, yes, but it's still terrible. What can I do now? And so every year, it became this, This uh, routine, this ceremony where I'd show off what I'd I'd practiced and how much better I'd gotten, but then he was always able to give me a little bit extra to work on. Um, And now, of course, in the digital age, that's much easier to do, right? But that is a little intimidating the first time you walk in the room, isn't it? Mike, what was it like for you? I mean, you won Best Painted, but what were your thoughts uh, going in looking at everyone's painted models and checking things out
2: yeah i i guess um prior to that you know the only armies i'd seen were things i'd seen on facebook and you know obviously tim's um um and his and his and his brother's armies mm. as well um and it just there's just so many cool ideas people had i i think one of them i think uh, chris was his name he had um mm-hmm. uh with a uh pacific marines and he mm-hmm. and he had um uh, like on his on his half track he had the uh, the actual shell casings from the um, from the from the 50 cal machine guns sort yeah. of sprinkled around the you know bonnet and all that and I thought that looked absolutely absolutely fantastic and I I'd, I'd, I'd never even thought about doing something like that so that's something I you know um, um, I, I'm gonna look into now try and uh, try and recreate that effect yeah Chris um,
0: Peck's Marines are gorgeous right Chris
2: Peck that's it yeah so yeah it's it's just you know you you sort of see so many different ways people do things and, and different ways people, whether, you know, some, some people, um, I was talking to um, JL from the Bacon Burgers podcast Mm -hmm. and um, uh, he said he does um, oil, um, oil washes on, on, on his vehicles. Mm -hmm. um, And that looked absolutely fantastic. So that's something I might try as well. So it's sort of given me a bunch of, you know, um, awesome new ideas I can try on on my, on my minis going forward.
0: Yeah. And it's one of those things that once you see it, as you say, it, it plants the seed. But then you can do a little research on it and do some trial and error and maybe even hit a YouTube video, as you mentioned earlier, and it can really get the snowball rolling, so to speak. And you can just grow it and grow it and grow it and really, you know, get some cool momentum behind your own force. Right.
2: Yeah. And you can think, yeah, like, you know, what if I do this? What if I do that? I could, you know, I could really see my army this way, just like how, you know, this guy did it. And you sort of, you know, play a bit of copycat. But, you know, everyone everyone builds on you know, builds on each other's, um, um, ideas and, and, you know, um, everyone comes out better for it.
0: Exactly. Uh, Tim, how about you, man? What was it like for you? I know that you put a lot of effort into your British airborne, uh, to, to bring to delayed action. What were your thoughts, uh, about how they, how they looked? Did you get any red hot ideas that you're taking into new projects? Because um, I know that, I mean, I, you, you already had, what, 20 well bikes uh, painted up to match your inter- infantry one for one. Um, like, you've got some great stuff there, and it's a beautiful army. As I said, you, you almost won Best Painted. What were your thoughts? Yeah, thanks.
1: Well, you know, I've been playing against Mike this whole time, so I look at my army in comparison to Mike's yeah. painting, and I just think it's absolute rubbish. So, you know, like, I... <laughs> You know look at mine and and think oh geez um so you know i've actually learned you know again going to that that event seeing that i used to just do when i was doing the brush highlighting that i'd just do one color rather mm-hmm. than actually trying to match the base color but just a brighter version of it mm-hmm. um to bring it out so it's a little bit more subtle but it still pops um so things like that that i've really you know picked up seeing other people's army and talking to you know people like yourself and and jl and um you know it's really really helped I have a lot of difficulty with painting or when I first started because I'm actually colorblind so I rely heavily on my partner um mm-hmm. my, my fiance to, to tell us what colors match and what colors go where yeah um and that's also with Mike I whenever we do painting like sessions together I'd be like hey is this the right color and, and he'd be able to point me in the right direction so um but I absolutely you know learned a lot from the community just you know, talking, and I suppose that's what's really good about having that face-to-face stuff because they can actually, you know, on the internet's one thing, but having someone actually, you know, point something out uh, makes it a lot easier to understand and comprehend.
0: That's right. Uh, And I know one of the most talented painters that I've ever met uh, is Colorblind as well. And he, again, his partner helped him, but we were having a painting session one day and he was highlighting a, a tank and he was highlighting a green tank with orange because he couldn't see the difference, and he grabbed the wrong bottle. And I was like, I don't know what you're doing there. Is that rust? Like, that's wild. What's going on there? And he was like, (laughs) oh, it's the wrong color. And, you know, he was sheepish about it. He's like, I feel really bad. You know, I'm colorblind. I try not to tell people. And I was like, mate, there's nothing. I mean, the quality of your models is amazing. You know, own that. Really impressed. I'm even more impressed now that I know that your color bond and your stuff is still amazing. Um, and it's not that you know you see in black and white, right? It's just that certain colors appear differently. Yeah, they
1: just blend, and it yeah. makes it really hard. Green and browns. Yeah. Uh, so you know, ca- painting those uh, British Paris smocks was an absolute nightmare. Oh,
0: I can't even imagine. I was going to say because in bolt action, there's never any brown or green. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everything's exactly right. brown and green. Uh, I relied.
1: I, I really did rely heavily on Mike and my fiance to uh, to point us in the right direction with those ones, especially those well bikes. Absolute nightmare. <laughs>
0: yeah, I can't imagine, man. Oh, I didn't even think of it that way. Well, let's 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 back up a step and let's look at event play holistically. Now, when I say events, I am I'm talking about big narrative days, casual gaming days. I'm also talking about the big bad T word tournaments. Now. Tournament has turned into a bit of a dirty word in a lot of parts of the bolt action community and in some parts of Warlord gaming communities. Often, if you go to a tournament, there's the expectation that you're going to run into that guy, the win-at-all-costs gladiator who's there to destroy your army and make you feel miserable. And largely, that has not been my experience of, God, well, since the 90s of playing Um, in in big events. Sure, there are a few, but for the most part, that has not been my experience walking in. And when I walked in, I was more excited to see all the armies and to talk to people who played the same games. And and we're going to get to that in a minute. But for you guys coming to this event, it was your first event. Now, Tim, you ended up winning the event. You came first. Wasn't a little intimidating to walk in the room? I mean... It, it, yeah, this 100%. is your first ever war game, and this was your first ever war yeah, gaming I, event. I
1: actually said to Mike probably the day before via Facebook message, I just said, oh, I just hope to win one game. Yeah. Like, you know, although, you know, you don't want to be the bloke that, you know, win at all costs. But at the end of the day, you want to play a game. You you do want to win, but you you don't want to make it not fun for the other person, right? Exactly. So. Um, you don't go to lose an event no. uh, or you don't go to lose a game, I should say. And it is okay to, to lose. Like it's still, you know, it's still inju- you still do have enjoyable games losing, but at the end of the day, you you do still want to win. So all I said to Mike was like, you know, I just want to win one game. I, I was incredibly nervous about it. And nervous probably is a bit of a exaggeration. I was probably more like, I don't want to make a fool of myself. Yeah. So. But, you know, as soon as you walked in, it was just everyone was so friendly. Everyone was so complimentary of, of everyone's armies. It was really good. And I, I suppose that the bolt action community, you can't really game the system. It's it's based off historical events. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not something that you can really I feel that, you know, you may have that person that is trying to stomp everybody else. But I don't think the game kind of allows that. I think it kind of... Yeah, it, it pleases itself with the way that, you know,
0: the units work. I understand as well, where you walk in and you wanna you wanna make a good you know, you wanna make you have a, you wanna have a good run. You don't wanna you don't wanna embarrass yourself on the day. I definitely can understand that feeling. You had only played a few casual games, and by a few I mean a lot of casual <laughs> games with Mike. Clearly you guys had practiced way more than the rest of the Melbourne community who were Knocking off the rust, so to speak, and scratching their eyes like little groundhogs coming out of the ground going, what are we doing again? And that's not to take away from your gameplay at all. You guys knew what you were doing, but it must have felt good for you to to be able to play and to just to engage with the game and play with some other people. But I know when you guys came in... You had the same thing that I know I did when I first started playing Bolt Action, and I went to Moab, which was the the first big interstate Australian event after I started playing, and there were a bunch of rules that I'd been playing with my friends that I swore up and down were in the rule book. And then when you actually get them on the table, you go, oh.
2: Yeah, there a, were a couple of them. <laughs> a couple
0: of them, right? I mean, largely, we're playing the right game, but occasionally there's things that you go oh, I didn't realize that. I've been playing that wrong. Or, you know, I, think, I interpreted yeah. that differently. But I think you guys, I mean, you guys clearly knew what you were doing, played a lot of games really well. But were those, a few of those gotcha moments?
1: I think there was, there was the one, the one that Mike and I probably played the most common was when you went to rally, you get the down bonus as well. Because for some reason, like naturally, you would think if you're rallying, you're going to hit the ground and you rally your troops. So we yeah. just assumed that you got the down bonus. Then, I still
2: don't know how we, how we were doing that because <laughs> it's, it's nowhere in the book. Nope. No at <laughs> um, So it's just minor things like that. But
1: you know, that's another thing that, you know, Mike and I, we both said before we wanted to play in our first event, we wanted to know the rules because, you know, it's, it's more enjoyable. Or I, I believe it's more enjoyable for, for both parties. If you understand the rules wholly and, and so, you know, you're not making, you're not looking up the rule book every five minutes exactly. um, trying to play the game. It makes a more smooth process. So, you know, that's one big thing that Mike and I kind of were doing was, you know, we want to understand every rule and, and, and how it works before we went um, to make an enjoyable game for, for both parties. So, you know, myself and the person I was playing against. But everyone that I played against, I had an, an amazing time an amazing experience. And it just got me so pumped for the next one. Like, all the, the lads that I played against were, were awesome and, and it, I had really good games. So I couldn't have asked for a better day, really.
0: Michael, uh, I'm hoping that you had a similar experience.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, um, well... Another rule we were doing wrong actually was um, on massive damage when you roll more than three for the penetration value you need. Yeah. For some reason, we were doing oh, plus three on the damage chart, which didn't really make sense because it always ended up being the same result. Then, yeah, um, exactly right. Whereas, whereas, really, yeah, you have to roll two two dice. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I think we we kind of over over prepared a bit. I think for this, you know, given it was our first tournament, mm-hmm. you know, as 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 um uh, Tim said we sort of, yeah, wanted to know the rules um, inside and out because we thought, you know, everyone else is going to be, you know, totally on their game, totally ignoring the fact that, yeah, it was the first tournament probably in a year in Melbourne. Yep. Um, (laughs) um, So uh, so we actually organized an event at uh, House of War uh, the weekend before, um, and and we played with um, Albert, uh, the the guy who came second, Mm -hmm. um, and one of his mates, and that kind of really helped us, you know, refresh on the rules. And Tim and I pretty much play... You know, Once a week or once every two weeks, we, we, yeah, we try and fit a game in. So yeah, we, we, we kind of came into it better prepared than we thought we were. That yeah. makes sense.
0: No, it definitely does. And you guys, as I said, clearly knew what you were doing walking in. It, but I guess w- you answered my next question. by By playing games against one another and really getting to know the rules before you showed up, I know that I read the rule book up and down, left, right, and center – um, before I walked into my first tournament, I would played the game a lot, but I literally busted out a highlighter and I was writing notes in the margins of the rule book. And I had, you know, post-it notes sticking out and I had everything lined up before I walked into my first event because I, for hell or high water, I was not gonna, I, I was gonna know how to play the game, damn it. And, yeah. and, you know, I, I was prepared and I did. And that got me into some good habits, later when I was trying to, you know, maybe play a little bit more competitively was to make sure I knew what was going on on the tabletop. Because nothing feels as bad as, you know, sometimes when you when something happens in the game and someone, you know, points out that, oh, no, that actually is what happens. And, it you know, it feels bad when it, it's at the detriment of one of your units, perhaps. Um, but it's one of those things that, in every event that I've played at, In Melbourne in particular, um, but I know this is a universal in the bolt action community having played across Australia and a couple of casual games in other countries, is that no one's really going to say, not gotcha. This isn't a gotcha game, and it's not a gotcha community. It's a, oh, you didn't realize that. Cool. Let's talk about how we can fix that. Like how, How can maybe back it up? Or on a four up, we'll talk about what happens next. There really is, this is a wonderful community for helping people um, both learn the game or even if you know the game. Uh, I've been playing Bolt Action since literally it came out. I've been playing it religiously as my main game. But even I get rules wrong all the time. And, you know, if you get a rule wrong, your opponent isn't going to capitalize on that and make you feel bad for it. They're going to help you out. And I find that events are great in that you actually get to play these games, and I know that I got something wrong playing on the weekend as well, and I was one of the tournament organizers playing a Gumby army. People were asking me rules questions all weekend, and I was answering them, but even I made mistakes. So, But again, it was one of those situations where we talked about it as opponents, sorted it out, and it wasn't an issue. I think you guys had a similar uh, experience in your games. I mean, I don't think anyone was out to, to smash you and make you feel bad, right?
2: Yeah. I, I guess part of the reason I say I think we um, we prepared is because you know we didn't we didn't need to know the rules off by heart. We could still play the game, and if we get something wrong, as you say, you know the other person will just say, "Oh no, hang on. I think I think this is how it is." And if you need to look at the rule book, then you can you know you know um, check it quickly. But you know more often than not, you just kind of get on with the game, and it's just you know ev- everyone's just there to have fun. Um, and you, yeah, like you don't need to know the rules inside out, you know. In case the other person, you know, takes advantage of you for, you know, for, for for not knowing the rules properly, chances are they, you know, know the rules just as well as you. And there's some things they're doing wrong as well. And sort of, you know, between the two of you, you, you end up working your way towards the end of the game and hopefully have fun in the process.
0: Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Now, guys, one of the things that I absolutely love about events, and maybe you can back this up, um, bolt action can be a mentally taxing game. Sometimes if you are playing a casual game with a friend and you get to the end of your game and you realize, hey, you got another couple hours, maybe we'll play another game. Sometimes, though, you're like, oh, you know, because the, the, the nature of the order dice pulling out, you're like, mm-hmm, maybe, maybe I'm not sure I want to play a second game. Like, it was a lot of effort. It was a lot of fun. Like, don't get me wrong. It was screaming, laughing, throwing dice the whole time, having a great time. Do I really have another one of those in me? And given my druthers, in my old age, I might say, eh, I'm, I'm good. That was good. That was great. You know, I'll play again next week. But I love events in that they they force you to play another game, or in this case, three games. And, um, you know, you got to kind of be crazy to, to line up for three games of bolt action sometimes, you know, in a, in a casual, like, I'm just going to sit and play with my friends for three games in a row. But it's supernatural in an event And though you might be tired at the end of it, man, I've never felt bad walking out of a bolt action event. The games, you know, I always have fun for all three games and I'm guaranteed three games. As a teacher, I don't have a lot of free time. So to know that I can get three full games in in a day or six on a weekend if it's a two-day event, that always gets me excited. Tim, what was it like for you? I mean, I I can't imagine you guys had done a lot of, three game marathons prior to this were you uh, were you glad that it was three games
1: i absolutely loved having the three games i think the other really good thing about the event was that you have a time limit on each of your games i think yeah. the biggest thing issue that mike and i have when we play is because we you know have played each other so many times
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know we kind of know each other's tactics and so, you know, it might take us a little bit longer to make a decision on the board. And we have up you know, a thousand point game that goes for four hours, five hours. Mm-hmm. And that was what was really good about the weekend was you didn't have that time to, to do that. So you had to make quick tactical decisions. So I really, really liked that. And that also meant that, you know, at the end of each round, I, I wasn't feeling as fragged.
0: Exactly. Because
1: I, you know, although I was making those tactical decisions, I, I was going up a new, new opponent where I kind of just played... It was a, it was more natural, mm-hmm. um, rather than really having to stop and think about each move and and, and what I was going to do. I'm, and i and that I suppose that makes me sound a bit gamey, and it, and that's not.
0: No, not at you know, all.
1: I want to come across at all, but. No, I
0: mean it's the nature of playing a game, um, and I'm glad you said that because I think the the flip side of that coin of what you're saying is, I always walk out of these events having learned something, or I, I love sitting down with opponents after the game and saying, you know, just talking through, well, what happened there? What would you have done? Why did you do that? Just ha- ask a couple of questions, talk to your opponent, maybe ask them about the why they, they did certain things. Sometimes they don't know. Sometimes they had a master plan, but I always learned something and I have become, I think, a better player from talking to my opponents, for to from reflecting on the games and learning from my mistakes, asking them if they thought I did anything silly, because, as you say, I mean, you and Michael play a lot, so you have that knowledge of each other's tactics, but when you have the opportunity to play three completely separate people, often brand-new people, you really do get new ways of looking at tactics in the game, especially if you're facing new armies that may either be fast and hitty or... You know, it just may be a complete different configuration than what you're used to dealing with. What happens if you have face, you know, a heavy cavalry army or a tank heavy army when you're not used to that? There are just so many different ways to look at it and different tactics to learn. And it can really change the way that you look at the game, right?
2: This is the thing I've, I've played against Tim's British pretty much every single game I've ever played, except for maybe three or four. In my life, so I'm I'm very used to dealing with a Ford artillery observer mm-hmm. and, and an SAS jeep. <laughs> um, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um. So you know uh, when it, uh, when I came up against a, um, a late war German army with a King Tiger in it and a bunch of Hitler Youth, mm-hmm. that was something I'd never had to deal with before. So you know it was it's very interesting and sort of stimulating, I guess to you know play against someone else who not only plays differently but they have a whole different army that also you know plays differently because m- most of the time tim and i probably feel pretty similar armies against each other we sort of have our own you know sets of models so when you have a certain pool of models we can actually create a list out of yeah so yeah when 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 you're playing as totally new things um it just yeah it it, it sort of spices up the game that much more
0: now michael speaking of which now that you've faced some different people and now that you have sort of I guess when I started playing bolt action, um, it was with a small group of guys, and uh, we just played each other all the time. But there was always this element of we knew each other's armies, we knew each other's tactics. But then there was this element of almost like a close circuit arms race where I Absolutely. would buy something to beat Dave's army and then dave would buy something to beat lachlan's army and lachlan would buy something to beat toby's army toby would get something to beat my army and so it was just this constant evolution of after we played a round of games you know the next week or two weeks after depending on when the warlord order landed we'd be like oh oh you have a new tank oh you have a new unit oh did you guys walk out of this event thinking I definitely need to paint something new, because I did, and I was the tournament organizer. Uh, Michael, how about you? Did you uh, get any wild uh, yeah. ideas?
2: Yeah, so um, uh, Angelo's late-war German army, I'd never seen it before. I had this little little Armour 7 uh, open-tops mm-hmm. carrier that fired a Panzerfaust, yes. which I'd, I'd never seen that before. I thought I'd... I'd my my cupboard's pretty full of, of german armor and i'd never seen this one before so that's something i'm going to look into I'd, i've got to look up the name of that obviously um yeah actually i'm not sure what it's called um but yeah and then um tim and i when we play it's kind of like a never ending grudge match so mm-hmm. um <laughs> so i think like when i bought a WESP and i used it and tim was like oh that, that that heavy house is pretty good maybe i'll buy a you know a a sexton or a
0: priest and mm-hmm. then
2: it sort of goes from there that
0: is man that's it right um tim how about you man
1: yeah, look, my, oh, my European army now is pretty much done. I mean, we did a warlord order f- four or five days ago, and I just got a grant uh, in that order because I love the look of them. Uh, and I think Mike in his agreeance it with me. I think it's one of the coolest looking tanks.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So I kind of wanted that just to add in. Um, but I think that's what's really good about bolt action. Although you, you're probably more, I look at something now more, because I like the look of it or, you know, you know, I think it would, it's more themy. It, it would suit my army more rather than I'm um, getting it to beat my opponent. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, like I really, you know, Mike, you know, spoke about that, the Westman and I end up, you know, getting a Sexton or a Priest and it's like, I actually really like those units and yeah, yeah it's just handy that they're effective in-game.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so, you know, it's, it's probably more, yeah, the, the, my interest in, in that military equipment rather than, you know, trying to beat everyone. And that was, you know, my lists that I, I played on the weekend. I tried to be as themey as I could. Uh, the only thing that wasn't really themey on my list was the SAS Jeep, and that's because I had a spare 20 points, so I just mm. upgraded my airborne recce Jeep. So, you know, like, I, I really like that themey sort of style yeah. um, rather than that the gamey sort of play.
0: Yeah, but... I mean, walking out of that event, as I said, I, I, I walked out thinking, I really want to do, I want to paint SDKFZ7 for my Germans so then I can field my Germans next time. And I really want to take Japanese medium howitzer, only because in all my years of playing ball action, I've never actually fielded one. Um, and I was looking at different people's armies going, that's cool, that's cool. But by pulling that out, I then pulled out my whole great coat Japanese army for the the battle for Shanghai. And then all of a sudden, oh, I have a Hago. The, oh, <laughs> oh, no. I, I have a Type 94 tank at that matches this army. Oh, no. Oh, mortar. Okay. I have a mortar. It's chipped. Maybe I need to paint a new one. And so in the week since, instead of working diligently on my new Italian army like I was supposed to, I've been working very hard on... Uh, expanding my existing Japanese force, but it's just, but that got me of course looking at, uh, there's been some great new books about that that conflict that have come out recently. I will and say so, that Japanese
1: yeah. AA gun looks fantastic.
0: Yes. Uh, Empires and Flames has some great additions to the Japanese list. Highly recommend if you have not picked that book up, guys. Anyway, very excited about fielding some things. So, just you wait. Pictures of howitzers to come.
1: I, I actually, after playing JL, I actually want to get a a Flak 88 because it looks sweet even though I have no German
0: army.
2: (laughs) I have two. You can have one.
0: (laughs) There you go. There you go. Well, guys, let me circle back to something that you guys touched on earlier. Um, And I think this is possibly the most important aspect of event, tournament, narrative day, whatever you want to call it, uh, campaign day, people getting together to play events, a day that has been set aside, an afternoon uh, where people throw the flag, so to speak, and say, let's meet here and play games. It doesn't matter if it's competitive or not. For me, the most important aspect of you know communal coming together to enjoy and play these games is making friends. I can't tell you how, well, I can, let me tell you right now, It was amazing to see all of those guys on Easter to play delayed action, to get together with a bunch of folks who I've known for years. And I've 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 laughed. I've rolled dice. You know, I've I've cursed their name on the tabletop. Again and again, you know, we have a vibrant bolt action scene in Melbourne and just to get together with the people who I've been seeing at these events for years, I don't always play them. Some of them, one guy, uh, Aaron and I, have been coming to bolt action events, I think for five years, and we always end up playing next to one another. We've never actually played, but we still have a great time. I guess what I'm trying to say is I have made amazing friends through this hobby and through playing games, uh, and just the people who come together. We have shared interests. We, we love the same game. We're passionate about, about the same things. We can have these historical conversations that the, the layman would say, what are you even talking about? But to talk about these things on the day is just great. And then you start to have uh, online groups. Um, you join you know, Facebook pages. You know the people all of a sudden who are posting. And then all of a sudden, there's a little bit of SaaS talk maybe happening online. But it's all in good fun. And you really do. It builds community. But more than that, it's fun. And you make friends, which is the best part for me. Now, you guys are coming into this. Um, Did you feel like you made some new friends coming in uh, on the day? I mean, clearly you knew Albert and you knew each other. Um, Tim, why don't we start with you? Did you sort of feel like you were stepping into a larger group of friends? And do you feel like you're now part of that? Because I hope you do.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like I, I came in and I think what's really good about it is we all have that common interest, you know, of that military history, not necessarily just the game. um so it's it's you've got something to talk about straight away and especially in the melbourne community i think everyone is is so friendly Mm -hmm. um and they just made you feel welcome straight away like i didn't feel awkward my first game you know was just it was so easy like straight away there was there was no issue um and you know able to have conversations and uh, it was really good and then you know being able to you know i've listened to your podcast for for a while and you know being able to finally put a a face um to the voice you know was was really nice and you you know you've welcomed us you and lee have both welcomed us to the community um you know like as if we've been there forever and Mm -hmm. you know it it made us feel very comfortable Well, i speak for for me here i'm sure mike's probably the same and
2: absolutely yeah yeah like you know we, we we both moved moved down to melbourne from brisbane i moved a bit before tim but I think I've, you know, I've met more people, you know, out, outside of work, I've met more people through this hobby in the last, uh, playing on the Easter weekend and then playing, you um, know, little gaming day the weekend before that. I've met more people on those two days than I have probably in, you know, in the rest of the time before that. Um, and it's just, you know, having this common passion that kind of unites us, you know, you, you just immediately have so much that, you know, to actually talk about and you are and you're sort of uh, show each other, you know, different models and 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 how you've painted different things. And oh, isn't this board great? Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. You know, there's just so much immediately that you have in common that that you can talk about. Um, it just really fosters that sort of community feeling. Yeah.
0: Well, I think I think uh, I think that's been a pretty resounding success as far as um, coming into this as new quote-unquote gamers and never having played in gaming events in other places. Coming in cold to, to, to step into the larger bolt-action community, uh, and it sounds like it's, it's been a rousing success. It, it warms my heart to hear that, gentlemen, and I'm, I'm very glad. Would you, I guess the, the big question to, to round this all up, would you recommend this for someone who's perhaps played for years on their tab- dining room table or played in a garage or played with their friends? but I've never played in an organized event. Would you recommend this for them? Uh, Tim, go ahead. Yeah,
1: 100%. I, as I said, was quite uh, anxious, I suppose, to, to see how it'd go because you know, I wanted to do well and, and everyone in the community was so welcoming and easygoing. So, you know, like if there was a rules clarification, no one was offended by it. Um, so it was, you know, no one was, was out to... To stomp anybody else, and it was—it's a really good environment, and really good community. So I would 100%
0: recommend it. Nice, Mike. How about you?
2: Yeah, I think um, when we started just before lockdown, I think um, Tim was sort of keen to go to some tournaments. Um, this is probably late 2018, so we just kind of, you know, finished paintball. I—I just finished painting my my German army to the point where I could actually field, you know, like um, a thousand points. And I was kind of hesitant because I was like, oh, you know, I, I just feel like I need to learn the rules a bit better first. I need to, you know, get better at my painting. And, you know, and I need some more tanks so I can feel different, a bigger variety mm-hmm. of troops. Um, and I kind of regret that. Like, I wish, I, I wish we had actually taken the plunge and just gone straight, you know, straight to a tournament as soon as we had a thousand points. Because we would have gotten into the hobby so much faster and we would have enjoyed ourselves so much more and had so much more motivation, especially through the COVID lockdown. Um, yeah. If we'd if we'd done that earlier on, and you know, all all through the lockdown, we'd we'd kind of realized that, oh, you know, um, it's it's like April COVID's just hit, no more tournaments, and we're both just to the point where we really want to go to a tournament, and it you know we had to wait about a year, and and it was absolutely worth it. It was so much fun, and I think we're both already thinking about the next tournament we, we we're we're planning on going to. Well, you've booked tickets to Cairns, haven't you? Yes, I have. Yeah, <laughs> going to Operation Thunder.
0: Oh, nice. Oh, that'd be brilliant! That's the one at the Tank Museum, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, the um, uh, Armour and Artillery Museum up there. Yeah, I'm planning on fielding a Panzer Reconnaissance Force. Oh,
0: that's gonna be awesome, man!
2: That... Painting up some the yeah, half tracks and things.
0: Oh, so many great uh, tournaments and events that are popping up across Australia. Um, there's something at Briscon. There's um, there's something coming up in Melbourne very soon, uh, and I'm sure, knowing ACTAR, there'll be lots of great stuff happening in Tasmania. I'm not sure what's going on in Western Australia at the moment, um, but those guys always have great things going on as well. So uh, now, guys, if you're listening to this, and we do understand that quite a few places in the world right now are still locked down or weren't locked down last year to the degree we were but are locked down now, we're not talking about event play today to make you feel bad. We are trying to talk about this to, to, to point out that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, hopefully for all of us very soon. Now, we in Australia don't have the the vaccines uh, that the rest of you do at the moment, but we do have no COVID, which is pretty special. And we're hoping that lasts, um, at least for the time being, uh, until we can get the vaccine. We hope that you are able to re-engage with your local community and guys, as an experienced bolt action player, coming out of lockdown, I, I did have moments where I didn't want to go be around people. I, I got out of habit, and thankfully, as a primary school teacher, I was forced to get in front of a group of people, and that really helped. But there were dark days during lockdown. I highly recommend that you re-engage with your local community of war gamers um, or just find a couple friends who want to play games um, when you are able to safely do so again. It has made a huge difference for my mental health and uh, for just my overall happiness to to get out and to play games with the people who I know shared the same passion that I did. Again, we at Warlord really hope that you... Um, have been healthy and safe through these terrible times and will continue to be healthy and safe. But we also hope that as things hopefully safely reopen soon, that you're able to re-engage not just to play the games, but for your own happiness and for your own mental health. Uh, Because it has been hard. And uh, don't let anyone tell you it hasn't been. It, It has not been easy. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have any feedback, um, any community-focused episodes like this one, or you would like us to talk about any particular upcoming Warlord events, please contact us. Uh, My name is Brad. Hi. If you contact my personal Facebook page, um, which is the, the... not my personal page, the page for my podcast network, which is the network that this podcast is on. It is called Cast Dice, C-A-S-T-D-I-C-E. If you type that into Facebook and you message that page, you will get me, you're guaranteed a response. Um, This episode is largely the idea of uh, some members of the community and my discussing um, just the way that I met these guys with uh, Paul from Warlord. If you would like to hear anything in particular, please let us know. And again, guys, please be safe out there. Now, Tim, Michael, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, it is awesome to put your faces uh, on the, as part of the Bolt Action community and to welcome you and to, to, to now be one of us. And uh, I'm looking forward to playing both of you very soon.
1: Absolutely. Thanks, Brad. Yeah, thanks, Brad. Really appreciate it.
0: Guys... Again, stay safe out there. We hope that uh, we will be back soon with more great Warlord content for your ears. Talk soon. Good night.